only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hello, and welcome to Five Things, the podcast where we bring on my favorite funny people and we ask them five things and not a question more. I'm your host, <laughs> I'm your host, Roche. I'm your host, Roche Abdullah. Uh, five Things is presented by Bad Dog Theater. Bad Dog Theater is a Toronto comedy school and improv theater devoted to unscripted performance. They host classes and shows in person and online. Check out baddogtheater.com to get tickets or enroll in class today. Before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that the land on which we gather is part of the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. It is also the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe, and Huron-Wendat nations. This territory is subject to the Dish with One Spoon Treaty, a covenant between the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe. Five Things. Five Things is a classic improv game. It's used to get performers out of their head. It's a great warm-up. We usually one performer asks another performer to state five things, so it can be anything like... Um, Name name five ways you would get executed in biblical times, or what's what are five things you should never say at your murder trial? And we play five things with our guests, and our guest today is Mark Little. Welcome, Mark. Hey, thank you, thank you. May I say the intro music uh, really tastefully uh, faded out for the land acknowledgement. <laughs> that was, was really well done. You know, you knew to, that wasn't a musical moment. Yeah, serious time. Uh, no music at all. Yeah. Not even. Yeah, <laughs> so Sean. Like, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Good job. Just ride no. that lowering volume. <laughs> Uh, Mark Little is a comedian, a writer, an improviser. You may have heard his voice on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Hey, that was my maybe. favorite part of your bio, Mark. <laughs> I love that movie. And I also read that in Israel, it's called Cloudy with a Chance of Falafel. Is that real? Uh, Uber facts on Twitter. Wow. It sounds, like, it sounds like a really easy joke. Like, sounds like so if someone was to make it up, that would be the first place they'd go. But yeah. maybe it's also true. Well, that's what makes it funny if it's true. If someone did that on stage as a tight five, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. laugh that hard. Yeah, and you can't stretch that out for five. Oh, <laughs> you'd be surprised how much bit. falafel material I've got. Uh, Mark, um, let's play five things. Okay, but before we do that, I should clarify that I was in the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs TV show. Oh, boo! Get out <laughs> of here! I'm I, sure uh... you've never heard of. I'm sure you've never heard of. <laughs> not, not, even, not even a big role. A series of very small characters. I'm really happy then you put it in your bio. Um, Sean, I said it's a show in the bio. I, oh, did <laughs> I you? Didn't, I didn't mislead you. Truly, I don't read the bios, but I saw <laughs> Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Sean, is it too late to get a new guest on someone who has been on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Even the Israeli version, I'll take it. Yeah. Even in this climate, I'll take the Israeli version. <laughs> uh, Mark. Yeah. Five ways you can get your stepson to respect you. My stepson? Your stepson, who hates you, by the way. You're right. not his real dad. This is a hypothetical where I have a stepson. I've married a woman or I've started dating a woman with a child, a boy. 
for someone who's worked in improv as long as you, you're having a really hard time <laughs> navigating the just imagination right now. Listen, you bounced from bad dog theater to land acknowledgement to cloudy with a chance of meatballs to a completely hypothetical situation scenario for me. I've there's a lot of I feel it's like chaotic. It's chaotic. So I'm just trying to catch up to this, but really I'm just trying to buy myself some time. Some time to think. Oh, if you, you're <laughs> if you've ever really seen me do if you've ever seen me do improv, the only way I really have fun is when someone else makes the kooky choices and then I just get to uh repeat them back to those p- people with a flat tone of voice as if to communicate that's that's what you expect me to believe. So How I'm used to being in sort of all gig. Pardon me? How'd you get this meatball gig? You're so bad at comedy. (laughs) You don't know what you're doing. I know. I know. Being a white straight male. It's easy. It's easy out here for us. You know what I mean? No, I don't. Uh, You should try it out for a bit. Um, Go ahead. uh, Five things that I would say to my stepson who hates me to make him respect Respect me. So I'm not even trying to win his love. No, no, no. He has to respect you. Okay. Because that's what you... Do you want respect or do you want love? I want love. Oh, okay. Good choice. You can do whatever. But from my stepson, I'll accept respect. The way that I would do that is I would say, um, your mother loves me. (laughs) And if you don't shape up and show me some respect, I'm going to leave her. Oh, what a root. Yeah, so you're you're responsible for your mother's feelings. Mother's pain, yeah. Yeah. All right. And if you so- want to live with a depressed mom, because I'm gone, then that's on you. Shame and guilt. Yeah. So that's one. One. <laughs> In a particular order. Uh, number two, I would say, um, your sister, my stepdaughter, uh, really loves me. And uh, if you don't start shaping up and respecting me, I'm going to leave. And we formed a really close bond. And I'm sort of, you know, I'm taking her under my wing. I've been teaching her how to play baseball. I've been helping her with her homework. And um, if I leave, that's on you. I love the villain route you're taking. (laughs) (laughs) Just getting this kid to hate himself. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How many ways can you hate this, make this kid? I'd say, um, you remember your aunt who came over last week for dinner and, uh, so, and we got along really well. Yeah. Aunt Charlotte. Yeah. My sort of, uh, stepsister. Stepsister. Yeah. She really loves me. And (laughs) (laughs) if you don't shape up around here, I'm gone. (laughs) You're going to have to deal with a depressed aunt. (laughs) That's going to be on you. So that's three. How many more family members? Tell me again I'm not good at comedy, Roach. Tell me again that I'm a one-note comedian. You're, you're uh, a better uh you're a better stepdad because you're getting all you're getting you're getting my respect. Truly, I'm like this is psychological and I'm here for it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh number 4. Um you know uh <laughs> <laughs> You know a family dog? <laughs> you know that you know that newt that you are so <laughs> fond of? Your pet uh, fire-bellied newt? Well, I've been feeding that thing, and it's grown fairly attached to me. 
You know, I'm not saying if I walk out that door that Newt's going to suffer deep psychological damage, but I will say this. Before I leave, I'll kill the Newt. <laughs> I'm going to take that Newt's life. So think about how much you care about that Newt. There are some animals, and I'm making this up on the spot, but I, it could okay. be true, that when their partner dies, they die soon after. And humans, that's true for humans. When a When a wife dies... In a hetero relationship, when a woman dies, the male dies long not after. But if the man dies, the woman like lives for quite a while. Well, when Happily. I die, I, when I die, I'm going out. I'm going out with Pharaoh rules. I want <laughs> everyone in that casket with me. I want you know my kids, my pets. I want idols of the gods. I want all of the people that I've uh, taken under my wing. Do you think that when they find you years, hundreds of years later, they're going to be like, this guy was important. Or they're going to be like, this guy was a freak. Why is there a dead Newton here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The preserved Newt bones. <laughs> uh, so carefully mummified Newt. Uh, they're going to be like, they're going to say, oh, people really had it figured out in the past. And then they stopped. Like men really lost their power uh, for a couple thousand years. But this guy, something about this guy who was buried with 30 of his inferiors and peers. He he had it. He kept the flame alive. They're going to say. I have a theory, even though that, uh -huh. and I, I know you still have one more thing to go, but. Oh, even please though... take your time. Believe it or not. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. What... You're running out of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> relatives. My big joke number four was killing a newt. <laughs> not, not at the top of my game right now, but please go on. Um, even though we have all this technology and, uh, you know, it's not the library of Alexandria, we, we lost things. We know what's going on with the in technology and the internet. Mm -hmm. I think that there's still some things that historians are going to be very, very confused about in the future. Like, you know, in Niagara Falls, where if you put a dollar in and you get a penny back, very awful trade, by the way, right. but you get like a penny back and it has like Niagara Falls or whatever on it, or like yeah. same with Ripley's Aquarium. Yeah. The, you're like who's who gets this this is so dumb this is so stupid but kids tourists thousands even if like i looked it up of how many people go to ripley's a year and when i did the math of like even one percent of that it's it's thousands hundreds of thousands of people who are getting these coins and one day they're gonna find them all over the world because tourists mm -hmm. and they're gonna think that was our currency that's interesting yeah niagara coins yeah they're going to be like, also... Ripley was their god, and someone named Kawhi was their god, because they're also going to find so many jerseys lying around. Oh, yeah. If they find the Bible and they read the part about don't worship false idols, they're going to be like, whoa, <laughs> these, <laughs> these guys missed this part? There's false <laughs> idols everywhere. Look at all these athlete statues. Look at this one. <laughs> this guy's statue, a fucking fictional boxer from a movie. <laughs> Do you know what there's a statue? Rocky statue? Oh, statue in Philadelphia. Oh, those are my favorite statues when they're not, like not even real people. But also there's a it. one of my favorite things in Toronto is there's a sign um, near like Fort York. Uh, so like, there's like a bunch of them about Terry Fox. But then mm -hmm. the last one is kind of like, yeah, we've talked about his running and his marathons and all that. But like, we just want to show you that he's a real guy. Like, here's his photo of when he went to prom. And it's a great photo because it's like from the 70s. Mm. And it was just really nice because they're like, you didn't ever, he never thought that he would lose a leg and be a hero. But yeah. here he is just enjoying his childhood. And like, that's, that's really nice. And it's hidden too. Like, you just have to walk in this uh, 
hidden pathway to a cul-de-sac and there's the photo and i'm like why did they hide this here that's nice i saw a similar documentary about how charles manson used to be a musician so it was nice to see him sort of with that human element and you, you know, you're the more... one who compared t- Charles Manson to Terry Fox. Yeah, it's just sort of nice to see, you know, these heroes that we know about for what, <laughs> you know, we know one thing about them, but it kind of looms too large. And I'd love to learn about Charles Manson as a little kid. I actually know there was this really funny transition in this documentary that I was watching because the, the it was like, uh, like sort of the untold story of Charles Manson's connection to like the Beach Boys. And, all this oh stuff. yeah, yeah. Oh, I and, read but, Helter Skelter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everyone knows about this. This is good. But um, the in this in this uh, like news channel documentary, there's one point where the anchor said, uh, "But Charles Manson wasn't only known for his music." <laughs> and then they elegantly took us to the murders. <laughs> did, the, did the transition music go? Was it uh, Sean Murray style? Yeah, uh, yeah, oh yeah, it was like, yeah, it's really, it really cheerful music. And then you could just sort of hear the music director be like, oh, wait a second. We didn't talk about this beforehand. I think I should. And then it went black and white or the, you know. Oh, I inverted. love it when it goes. Yeah, I love it when it goes yeah, into yeah, like yeah, X, yeah. X-ray style. Like, just watching it. <laughs> I love to imagine someone watching that documentary like, oh, I've never heard of this uh, musician. I wonder, wonder why. Well, <laughs> well, the Gen Zs may not have. How many people? Oh, yeah. It's going to be a thing one day. Yeah. Let that be your intro to Charles Manson. Just spend 20 minutes with his music and then uh, a tasteful segue into um, into the other stuff. I I did read a book. I was really into serial killers when I was in high school. And uh, yeah, the, the, the book about him really hammered down on the music. I think that's like how we got a bunch of followers too. It's, mm. um, and I, it's funny that I don't know if this is anyone's take, but there seems to be a lot of like, it's like dictators and, and serial murderers trying to, like human nize them but I, they're humans but it's just like oh they're this way because they wanted to be an artist and they didn't get into art school and it's like no they're i think they're just monsters like i don't think anyone's just like i didn't get into berkeley time to kill some people right yeah and yet Here i can see there. that argument yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i can see it you know it hurts to get it rejected you know we've we've met some stand-up comedians who uh they start out and, you know, they're already pretty close to that sort of line. And you're kind of like, I hope they don't bomb too many times in a row. <laughs> this could go. If they decide the world's against them fundamentally, who knows where this is headed? Yeah, me too. Me included. I've been dumped and been like, a genocide would make me feel better right now. Okay. That's not 100% what I was saying, but I totally, mm. yeah, okay. I do hear what mm, you're I saying. I miss the Mark. Yeah. I miss mm-hmm. the... Mark Little. Okay. Uh, let's get into the five questions, five cues, five things. Okay. F- my fifth way that I would make my oh. son. My <laughs> oh, son. Yeah, yeah. Are we doing another one? Is there another one? Do we just oh, keep the- doing these? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> That's the warm up for the actual five questions. I was going to, I was going to, uh, like give you a mercy. Uh, like I was going to let you off and just let you not finish it, but I, oh, but I'll, let's, I'll let's do, do it. it. I'll yeah. do it. Cause I, I thought of a fifth one. Great. I would incept my stepson, uh, inception style. So I would go into his dream and I would create a scenario where he's in peril and I would, as his stepfather, uh, step up to the plate and rescue him uh, or, or sort of save the world. And, um, and, and then if he woke up and he still didn't respect me because it was just one dream, I'd incept him again. 
And I would do this repeatedly. I would go into dream after dream and I would just sort of plant this idea that I was kind of heroic uh, in his dream. But then here's the critical thing. On the day that I finally feel like it's working and I see him come into the kitchen and he's kind of, you know, he's starting to look at me in a different way. I would, uh, I would sit him down and I'd say, how are you doing today? And then he'd say, guy had a dream about you. And I say, I know about that. I also know this. If you don't start respecting me, I'm out of here. <laughs> and your mom, your <laughs> sister, your aunt, and your fucking newt are going to regret that choice. So I would bring it back in the end, but I would do some inception along the way. I yeah. What's your token? Oh, I don't remember enough about inception to know what that means. <laughs> it's the thing in the the dream world where you can tell if it's a dream or not. Oh, um, it's like Leonardo DiCaprio's top. Yeah. Uh, mine's a Beyblade. Well, that's the same thing. Okay, it's it's too it's too close. Um, it's something where if I see it then I know that I'm dreaming. That's yeah. Okay. I was thought you were, that's what you were saying. Yours was. And I was like, yes, that's the definition of, yeah, that's right. what it is. <laughs> it's, so, I would do something where I would know right. that I was in the dream. Right. Like, and, but does it have to be like a top, like where it does something? So, you know, because it's doing something. I, yeah, I think it's like, you're, yeah. Because how else would you know? Like, I think the, right. Was another one, like a die was loaded or something. Oh, so you always, real- you always roll the same number over and over again. So, you know, you're dreaming the, top never stops spinning so you know you're doing okay i remember yeah um i would do a uh uh tamagotchi that i never fed and it (laughs) it stays alive but if it stayed alive for i would have to be in the dream for weeks on end but if it stayed alive for like a month in dream time then i'd know that i was dreaming but if it died then i'd know that i just wasted a month of my life trying to figure (laughs) out if i was dreaming so that's what I would do. Is this a dream? Time to buy Tamagotchi and find out. Yeah, I would do it. I would do it. Clear my stuff. schedule. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. That was really good. Thank you. I feel like I've, I've, I've figured it out. Yeah, uh, you don't have to. There's no, no it's, the, it's the friends we made along the way. It's not the destination. Right. That's right. I used to have a post. My mom used to have a poster in our home that said, uh, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And then that was attributed to John Lennon. Is that accurate? Because it doesn't feel like John Lennon. Isn't it John Hughes? Who's, oh, John Hughes, like the poet, the American? Or no, like, like the guy, because didn't he do Ferris Bueller? Oh, wait, and John Hughes, from? yeah. That's who John Hughes is. Uh, did he say that? Well, Ferris, it's like, in, is it an original? John, you have Google. Let's see in that private chat on the side. That does feel like something John Hughes would say. That's like a Ferris Bueller Maybe not Ferris Bueller, but that's like a Breakfast Club type of thing. To it say. is fair, like it is Ferris Bueller. That is the quote in Ferris Bueller. What? Who says it? Oh, Lennon. Uh, Ferris Bueller says it. Ferris. Wait, his name is Ferris. That's a weird name. Yeah. So is Bueller. Yeah, but it's a last name. Sean says it's attributed to Lennon. John Lennon. Huh. Good for him. I guess he also said all we are saying is give peace a chance. Like he had a sort of earnest side to him. It was really direct, the things that he was saying. Yeah, I guess that's true. He had that whole song where he was like, I don't believe in that fucking Eastern guy. (laughs) He just had a whole song where he was just talking about shit that he didn't like anymore. Right. Remember that one? 
uh he's talking about like because you know how the imagine uh, is that in imagine no i, I think know. i think i don't know i can't remember what it's called he's like i don't believe in <laughs> i can't remember any actual lyrics COVID. <laughs> yeah but it's like remember how they all did that transcendental meditation stuff and then george kind of stuck with it and then i think john had this song where he kind of publicly disavowed it although he got cute sometimes he, you know, when he was singing about Paul, he was always getting kind of coy about it. He never said, Paul sucks. He would just say stuff like, uh, the only thing you did was yesterday or however he's saying that. That's you know? right, yeah. Yeah. That's a little shot, a sort of sneaky shot. I don't know what we're talking about now. Um, you're dating <laughs> John... yourself hard. Uh, well, I didn't get into them at the time. John was shot in the year of my birth. 1982, I believe is when he was shot. That was when I was born. Now I'm dating myself for real. Stamping it. Where, where were you when John Lennon got shot? Do you remember? I was holding the smoking gun. <laughs> 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 Just moments out of my mom's womb. Actually, I think he was shot a little bit before I was born. Months. Okay, well, since you are uh, telling the world that you're old, yeah. um, let's get to the first question. I just turned 30. And you are ending your 30s. Yeah, I'm 39. Yeah. So what were some of the, what were your biggest challenges in your 30s? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Is this five things still? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, my stepson not loving me. <laughs> my 30s were hard, uh, easier and harder than my 20s. I moved to Toronto in my 30s, you know. I had a sketch troupe in my 20s and then we made a TV show and then we like wrote a book, which was a terrible idea. And we made a movie. We did all these things before we knew how to do them. And then I, I moved Co-wrote to... a book as a group. As a group, yeah. Although I, some that? people wrote more than others and uh, I was not one of the ones who wrote the most. I feel yeah, bad. Yeah, that's just a people. group project. I know. It was just a group project <laughs> with so much doesn't... at stake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was really, and really the way we like we're doing it at the end it may as well i wish it was a group project but um uh i moved to toronto in my 30s and kind of felt like i was starting over a little bit so i think one of the hard things sure. was like yeah i was trying to figure out what i like i spent a whole year just doing stand-up comedy and then did two sh like did one weekend in ajax where i think i bombed for every minute that i was on stage every minute it was silence hostile silence and then just came back from that. And I was like, I guess I'm not a stand-up comedian at all. And then just kind of like had a hard time figuring it out. Um, okay. But you kept, you kept on going. So you obviously recovered. Do you just have a period where you took a break and felt bad or. Yeah. But I, I would quit every six months and then I would like try and get back into it. And then. But what is quitting for you? Like not doing it for six months. <laughs> oh, six months. Like... Oh, six month break. That's long. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. you miss it. Yeah, I do only what would happen is I do only improv or only sketch for like the next six months and then I'd start to hate that. And then okay, so I'm of, seeing a pattern. Yeah, but it was yeah, so it was like um it was tough. It was like uh just a very unsettled decade. But then you and I have talked about this already. Uh late last year I started taking uh anti-anxiety medication and then everything really got better. <laughs> I that realized was it. I realized how much of a, my shit was just like uh it wasn't like Ajax. It was just um, how much, how hard I took any negative, right? Any like uh, failure. So, do you wish that you got uh, went on meds beforehand, or are you kind of like I'm glad? Like for me, 
uh, my friend had said to me, um, she was like, what, what's on your twenties bucket list? Like, what do you want to do one last time? Or like, what have you never done that you want to do in your twenties that you feel like you can't, you won't be able to do in your thirties, even though you can do it, whatever you want, whenever you want. And I had nothing, I had no response. Cause I was like, I did it all. I truly have done everything. I regret nothing. Um, other than some t- tattoos twice, a butt chug twice. Two butt chugs. That's the first time I ever heard your voice was you talking about butt chugging from the audience of an improv show. <laughs> that That's me. a good intro. It's a good intro. <laughs> uh, yeah, it did it. But there, it's like, I don't, um, I, I realize I lived my life wrong. Like I don't regret anything. I just lived it wrong. And but I'm glad I did that so I can enter my thirties. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to be right. It's just, I have a big sense, like a great foundation of like what not to do, but I got it out in my twenties. Mm, yeah. I'm always jealous of people who in my, this is how I think of it. And my sister's like this, do things at the time of their life that they're supposed to do those things. So like my sister had like a chaotic teenage year. She was experimenting with drugs in her teens. She was like dating, like the guys that my parents didn't like and having these huge, very normal teen stuff though. Exactly. And she did. And then, and then once she got to her twenties, she was, or like once she became 19, she was like clubbing and then got that out of her system. And then, you know, she entered her thirties and then had a child. And then now she's like got two kids and it just feels like textbook. Oh yeah. She's in these sort of five-year chunks where she does the things you do in those five-year chunks. And I've never been like that. I've always been chasing the past because I'm like, fuck, I really messed up my teen years. So I got to, I'm clubbing too late or I'm going like hard drinking too late. And then, and then I messed up like my whatever. So it's always, I always feel like I'm going back, 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 back because I spent my entire twenties gripped by this anxiety that if I wanted to be a comedian, I would have to work every minute and then chaotically just like shuttling over to getting blackout drunk. And that kind of just carried over into my thirties where it's similar to like quitting improv or quitting standup every six months. I didn't have balance. It was just like extremes. I lived in extremes. So yeah, my big regret when you say like what what's the worst part of my thirties is as you as you indicated. <laughs> no, wait, what did you say? <laughs> you really internalized that. <laughs> what's the shittiest thing about me? Oh man, yeah. How, where well, do I start? When you ask me, what's my biggest regret? <laughs> uh, like, what are some challenges? I guess right. And, uh, maybe also throw in some proud moments. <laughs> just make it. Just I refuse. Pop, pop a med. But what I think about when I think about my thirties right now, at least, is how much I wish that I been on this medication in my 30s and my 20s oh my god i would have killed to have just had those same experiences with this brain yeah this calmer brain that doesn't treat every single person i meet as like a foe who's waiting to (laughs) humiliate me or something oh yeah that sounds awful yeah real fight or flight instinct in social situations prior to recently yeah. Well, also congrats on like moving to Toronto in your 30s cuz that's really big to start over. Like leaving family, friends, um even though you already kind of had a career in it, you starting from the bottom in some ways, like not knowing anyone. So, good on you. Uh I well, I love before- to move and start over, but I feel like the older I get, the I'm like, can I do this again? Like do I want to? Cuz I'm I'm similar to you where I I, I don't feel like I chase the past, but I try to make up for the past where like I had a very lonely childhood. So like my, and I never like went to parties or, and now it's like, that's all I do. And I just like accumulate friends because I didn't have that before. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Now I'm like, you know, it's yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just like hanging out with friends all the time now. 
Because I'm like, oh, this feels great. This feels great. This is what everyone was so excited about. So it's just like, it's hard to, you know, beat that vibe. It's like, why do I want to hang out with comedians all the time? Because they're so funny. <laughs> why not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's why my birthday was so fun. Everyone just celebrated me. And it was oh, very the best nice. night of my life yeah. that I remember. Um, okay. So now you're entering, this is not the, like part of the same question. Uh, what, now that you're going to be entering your forties in not too long, mm-hmm. what are you hoping or what are you kind of, what are you I leaving? In your- terrified. Terrified. Yeah. I'm not ready. Oh, I'm not ready because yeah, because my girlfriend wants uh, to have kids and she's at a period where that has to be discussed now. She's like 34. So yeah, when you're 35, you have a geriatric womb, medically speaking. That's I so... read it just like dips, it's, which is like sucks because mentally we're not ready for kids even in our mm-hmm. 30s. Like we're so we're still babies, like babies raising babies, and uh, but yeah. biologically it's fucked. How like the moment you turn 30, it's like Pew! right, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> when I think about my 40s, I think about probably that becoming a reality and just how you know. I'm like, now that I've got this brand new sparkling brain that loves hanging out and socializing and wants, I just want to do comedy all the time. And I'm back doing stand up and feeling nice about it. Yeah. I'm just like, how do I juggle that with, I guess people have, people have juggled it. It's just, it would take a lot of work. So when I think about my forties, I think about that. And I also just think about the expectations of someone in their forties. It's hard to just, I don't know. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're terrified because you have expectations. Also, the kid thing, like, if you're not ready, you're not ready to be like, I yeah. guess I could do it. People have done it in the past. It's like, you can't unring that bell. <laughs> like, you better, I know. That's a human. You you go your whole life trying to, like, unlearn the trauma that your parents put in you. And then to be like, I guess, like, my girlfriend wants kids. Nothing against your girlfriend. Like, she, I'm sure she's thought about it. Yeah, she's thought but, about it. Dude, if you don't want kids, fucking don't. I wish more people knew that that it's like if you're not ready don't have them because they will grow up to be the little (laughs) charles mansons well i think yeah i don't know i don't know it's tough because like it's like very i'm glad you're sympathetic to this but very few people are sympathetic to a guy being like i don't know like i'm i'm only 39 it's like there are teen parents like every (laughs) every basketball player that i look i like when you watch basketball it's like there's like guys who are 22. It's like, oh, he's got his baby on the court. 22. Oh my God. Yeah. No one knows what they're doing. It's, it's terrifying. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like I live my whole life when there's a situation. I'm like, if I had a kid, how would I handle it? And it's like, you don't, you're going to fuck them up in some way. Like uh, it's just better to not have them. Yeah. <laughs> I get the whole like love thing and all that, but, uh, ooh, ooh, I'm pulling, I'm tugging my collar for the people who can't see, which is everyone yeah. but Mark. Um, I mean, everyone, right. everyone I talk to is always like, uh, uh, and I know we can just pin this conversation. <laughs> we no, don't I just, I'm, I'm uh, like, Sean, you probably will have to take this out. I don't know. You're, I feel like your girlfriend's probably going to listen to this. She might not like the I anti-kid think, stuff. Oh, I don't do. I mean, she knows how I feel. We've talked about it. I'm not like opposed to kids. I'm just at this moment. I'm like, you know, terrified. I express my, not ready. my reticence, but, uh, you know, I talk to new parents and they're all like, um, oh, it's, it's you're not going to sleep you're gonna be exhausted you're gonna you could be upset all the time it's stressed and yeah, but you it's do, worth you it. won't do but anything for three years it. but it'll yeah. be the most meaningful experience yeah. of your life and i'm like uh that <laughs> doesn't 
I I would not do any other activity if that was the trade-off. Like, <laughs> well, I've always not... I, I've always said this. People like I've said the exact same thing where people will be like, and I like I do want kids in the but when I'm ready, but so I know it would be this beautiful thing, but people always say the same thing. I'm like, I don't sleep. I, I, I'm up all night. We have no money, but oh my gosh, it's just like that bundle is so worth it. And it's like, mm. I just wonder if everyone got conned. Like everyone is just like feeling like they're like, oh, what did I do? But telling themselves. My feeling is it's like, if you put a hundred percent of your time and energy into any activity for three years, it's going to be pretty meaningful. You know, like you're in, if you're all the way into anything, like that's how people talked about Nexium. you know, <laughs> if you give all your time and money to uh, the Nexium cult, then it's going to be the foundation. It's going to be the central, the, the sun around which you, you know. But that's what I mean. Like if you invest three years and then you, something's kind of not happening for you. There's some people who can, uh, well, you can't leave kids, but you know, when people like start a career or go to school for like three years and they got one more year left and then they bail and they're mm -hmm. just like, not for me, which is like so brave and so amazing. But then there's the people who are like, I can't admit that I put all this time and energy and money and whatever into this. So I will double down. Right. Yeah. I know what you mean. I've been thinking about like, uh, what if I just uh, did something else for three years? Like, uh, climbed Everest. <laughs> I'll train to climb Everest. I'll climb Everest. That'll be the most meaningful experience in my life. I'll have climbed Everest. And then the nice thing about that is that on the 14th anniversary of me climbing Everest, Everest <laughs> won't suddenly start to hate me. <laughs> Everest won't be like, you suck. <laughs> I respect you now, Mark. Yeah, I won't have to guide Everest through its tumultuous teenage years, you know. Kids are fun. Kids, I mean, Carlin, my girlfriend, she loves kids. Every time she sees a kid, she's just so charmed by them. And I, sometimes I am. I'm more charmed by dogs. I see a dog wearing little shoes. That beats a kid any day of the week. Nothing a kid can do beat a dog <laughs> in little can't shoes. Wear shoes. <laughs> yeah. can't wear shoes, especially little ones. No. Uh, so anyway, anyway. Yeah, children do give me joy. They are, they're the funniest. They're the best at improv. They're the best in, in the humor. sense that they're truly unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy a kid joke as much as the next person. It's just honest. They'll cut, they'll cut you down so quick and then just yeah. do a back cartwheel the next oh, second yeah. as if nothing, if your life didn't just I get don't destroyed. Need that. I don't need that in my house, you know. Like uh, I'm the I'm the comedian. Okay. <laughs> I do. I need to be humble. I, I spent a lot of time on these jokes. I don't need some little freak. <laughs> scrambling around making carlin laugh more than me fuck that no way no way i get jealous easy now we're gonna take a little break and return with your guest mark little okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back with Mark Little. Hey. <laughs> All right. Thing number two. Thing number two. Um, 
did I ask? I mean, I guess we kind of touched on it, but I want to know what kind of kid you were. You kind of mentioned how you like do things now that you didn't really do before. So what yeah. kind of what kind of kid and I guess teen? What was your childhood? Oh What's it your origin real, story? It was really different chapters. I think I was an awesome kid and a terrible teen. Like uh, puberty really messed me up. But when I was a kid, I was sick. I was like so creative. All I wanted to do was run around top speed, play sports. I was the second fastest guy on the schoolyard. The girls loved me. If, if like there was one way that we flirted and it was the girls chased the boys and I liked girls right away. I liked girls in preschool. I had a crush in preschool. She, her birthday was the day after mine. That was enough. <laughs> I loved, I was in love with her based on that. I first told a girl that I loved her in grade one. Whoa. She, was, she was moving away. So we all had to write goodbye letters to her. And I wrote, I love you. <laughs> and she stayed? Crew. Oh God, no. I never saw her again. Um, and I, I think of her every day. <laughs> every day I call Carlin by her name. <laughs> uh, I did name my dog after her, uh, which was weird. But then I came to love the dog more than anything. Um, you named the dog just happened to be the same name or you named the dog after the girl? I named it after the girl. I named her Molly after the girl that I had a crush on named Molly. But I didn't tell my parents. That's why when they were like, what should we call the dog? And I was like, Molly. Oh, you were a kid when you named that dog. I thought yeah. it was now. I was like, you're making a lot of jokes about this. <laughs> no. <laughs> they it was, got a dog. <laughs> it was good. Um, but, and I was also like, a, I was a little, I remember I had, had this like eureka moment. I saw these kids on stage in grade, I was in grade three and they were in like grade five. At that age, I thought kids in grade five had their own apartments. <laughs> 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 I thought anyone bigger than me was living on their own. And, but I saw we had this talent show and I was, I wasn't in it. I was just watching, but these kids on stage, they just, they did a lip sync to the crisscross song jump. I don't know if you remember that. Um, it was like crisscross will make you jump jump yeah the daddy mac will make you and these guys they didn't even lip sync they just wore their clothes backwards like crisscross so like they wore backwards baseball jerseys and backwards jeans just like crisscross and they just jumped it was just these two grade five boys jumping to hip-hop and it was awesome i was in the crowd and i was like well that's what i want to do i want to do that i want that was be your moment that you was were, my moment. i want to be an entertainer was yep. seeing these people wear backwards jerseys and pants and you're like that I need to do that. Yeah. Cause so I was in, cool. I was in awe and I was like, okay, I guess I got to make, I got to be the object of that awe. Um, right. I commanded your attention. They got you. Oh, they got me. It was so, they don't awesome. even know that Mark little has grown yeah. up to be the man that he is because of that performance. Oh, and they would undoubtedly hate my comedy. Of course they would. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be right to. Um, I re Cause I remember when I, I was a very, very shy kid, very shy. And when it was, I was in grade six, there was a talent show and I auditioned, which is very unlike me because I was so shy, but I had just mm. got the Shakira Dirty Laundry album. And also I thought that I had discovered Shakira. And so I auditioned <laughs> singing her song on not like one of her popular ones. It was like underneath your clothes, which, which is a ballad. Oh, um, I but know. I was like, the people need to know this one. And I was in the audition. I was so quiet that like uh, they had, they gave us a microphone um, and people in the audience like everyone was in the same room for the audition and some kids were singing the song while I was singing it, which my first thought was like, how do they know this song? Cause again, I thought that <laughs> I was introducing the world to Shakira. Mm -hmm. um, but then they were louder than me, even though I had a microphone, I was just so shy. I don't even know. Why, and I can't sing. I don't know why that was like probably, well, I don't know where I got the courage wow. and I didn't, I obviously didn't get 
to do the talent show. I didn't get accepted. Um, but my brother did, and he lip synced to Limp Biscuit, and oh, he yeah. had two backup dancers who just <laughs> grabbed their balls the entire time. Yes. Yes. And I watched this being like, how did this man get on this talent show? And I didn't, but mm. there might be someone out there right now who's like doing their what they're doing on stage because of the dudes who grabbed their balls and my brother not really even really singing just lip syncing i'm not gonna lie to you if i was a teacher at that school and someone did limp biscuit while two guys grabbed their balls i would be like call the <laughs> call the local news no 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 i oh. want everyone to see this that sounds amazing I hey would... guys have you seen this 12 year old grab their balls oh just these two little freaks going nuts on stage behind a guy doing lip syncs oh my god I, as a awesome. teacher it would be great to watch uh to... i used to work at a camp and the talent shows were amazing cringe but amazing i can't be a teacher because i think bullies are too funny <laughs> bullies are so funny i would not and i was the opposite i was the kid who was like on the receiving end and was desperate to be uh liked um and, and i would just have no sympathy for those little simpering freaks <laughs> my friend is like, a teacher i want to hang now. out with these confident guys they're <laughs> funny my friend is a teacher and he'll say that kids will like come to tattle on other kids and he's just like i don't care <laughs> yeah get out of here but okay, when so I, you said so, oh go ahead well okay so then when i was in grade so i i, I felt like I, I had this cool friend group and i felt like a million bucks until grade five at the end of grade five grade six i got sent to a school across the city Oh, this no. is New Westminster, BC. Because, Why did you get sent? Because my parents wanted me to do French immersion. So I went to the school where there was French Ooh. immersion. And all of a sudden, and that coincided with like starting to go through puberty. And then it was just a nightmare from then until university. It was like, oh no! the moment I got there, I became like suddenly aware of like girls in a different way. It was like, people were like, guys were talking about like having sex. And I was just like terrified of that. I didn't know what that meant. And then there was also like, cool guys like cool guys on a level that i wasn't familiar with it wasn't like they were fast or good at sports they just had like <laughs> these guys they, aren't even fast yeah <laughs> they were the slow like <laughs> they they just were cool you know they were like what we think of as cool as like adults they just had like an attitude and uh and that was They're like punks. i didn't i couldn't understand it they weren't even punks they were like they were kind of bros but um they were just cocky they were cocky and they like didn't mm. give they didn't give people the time of day and we we all it was like early negging they didn't care what right. we thought of them so we were any one of us that was kind of a bit had any kind of a neurotic impulse wanted to be liked we just gravitated towards them so i had this one friend ian who was just like so cool to us and then there was me and this pack of guys who just went wherever ian went and i was like tortured by needing ian's approval and when i got it i felt great and when i didn't get it i felt oh. like shit and then that became also my first like real girlfriend in grade seven i was just like in the palm of her hand and she wanted things for me i didn't know how, like i was i was so scared to do like to kiss her i just wanted to hug her but i also like i would run home and call her as soon as i got home and i would like i didn't want to leave too many messages but i was just like a psycho uh and then um that that was so that was just like the intro and then when i went to high school i switched schools again in junior high and then i switched schools again in grade 11 or 10 so i just kept like leaving any stability and just and yeah. also got wrapped up in more and more sort of neurotic fears and right. yeah by like grade 11 i was just i was a little uh freak well the ironic thing is the kids that you thought were so cool because of that like confidence was probably so like if anything they cared more about what people thought than 
like what they were putting off is like we don't care we don't give a shit it's like they truly cared more than anything what people thought about them i gotta disagree with that oh yeah how old are they <laughs> i think i cared more than anyone i think <laughs> oh, that yeah. i mean i'm sure everyone cares to a certain extent but i honestly think like you can sniff it you know yeah i, I think they were just they had it you know it was like when I was in grade three, I had, it was like confirmed for me. I was like, Oh, I just have to be myself and people like me. And then it was like, okay. Mm. So then I never had to worry about not being myself. Cause I was like, that's all I need. Yeah. I'm sure other kids didn't feel that way. But then when I got to grade six, I was like, Oh, being myself isn't enough. But then these other guys, so then I had started to change and right. modify man behavior. But these guys were like, if I be myself, people love me. And then, and then we confirmed that we confirmed that every day. We were like, Ian, what do you need? What do you need? Yeah. What can I get you? And so, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think it's, it's not that he didn't want necessarily to be liked, but he didn't have to worry about not being liked. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You give me a big uh, John Mulaney vibes. And I was listening to a podcast with him in it. And he talked about how like the same thing. He was such a great kid. He like had so much fun. And then just something happened in his like teen years that he just it completely just changed personalities. Mm. Um. Yeah. It took me a while to get back on track. Uh, one of the things that helped was my friends started an improv club in grade 11. And I didn't realize how desperate I was to perform. I didn't tell you this, but as a kid, I was also, yeah, after I saw the crisscross guys, I became the low, I became like a playwright. I would write plays, but they were just an excuse to like, for me to perform, of course. And yeah. I had this thing I like to do where I would sit on my friend's shoulders, which I could do. And then we wear my mom's trench coat and we would be a giant. <laughs> <laughs> so every, every play I wrote was about a giant. <laughs> My my uh, my friend who I sat on was a really nice guy, and he didn't need the spotlight at all, so he was fine with just being, being covered by a trench coat legged. for the entire show. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, you said mentioned moving a lot too. I well, I'll say to the, the I wish we did so much creative stuff when we were kids. And sometimes I just wish I had that brain and that work ethic yeah. that I was I just like, oh, if I if I could, I used to write so much and it was so bad. If I could write as much as I did back then with the talent that I have now, whew, done deal. Yeah. No, a book uh, contract, please. I had um, but... bands. I was a rap. I was writing rap. I was writing plays. Yeah, I was right. I was all. watching the like the the Andy Milanakis show, and then like at night wouldn't sleep, but just like write sketches for that show, not like do anything with it, but just like oh, this is an mm. idea. This is an idea. Um, but again, the also the fearlessness and the and like not knowing the world and and doing whatever because there's no reality to it. Yeah, so you totally. just you do it because you want to do it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you I think like it's when you mentioned moving we forget how traumatic moving actually is for children. And oh. I moved around so much as I, I never lived anywhere more than two years. And my brother was the first, like, I don't feel like I became funny until later. And it was the same thing of like, I was quiet at home, quiet at home, shy. And then I would go to school and be a completely different person and be like the class clown. Mm. But the first, my first like vision of comedy was my brother who I was, I was like, you're, you're so funny. You're so, and, and later on he was like, oh yeah. Cause I had to be. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's the easiest way to get people to like you. And when you start a new school, because he was like, I never had like one good. He was like, I was just friends with everyone because you make a joke here, you make a joke there and then you're good. And right. you can bounce around and knowing right. that you're going to have to leave soon again anyways. And I was like, oh, maybe that's it. Mm. Maybe it wasn't the guys in the backwards jerseys yelling, jump, <laughs> jump. <laughs> no, you're probably right. But I feel like I. it's hard to truly psychoanalyze yourself i'm sure that's what's at the root of it yeah i know i want to be liked but at There's the same layers, time some, yeah sure. but uh i know that at a certain point i was just like no oh, i just love making people laugh yeah. i want to laugh and i want to make people laugh and i it feels don't good really care about anything else 
Feels good. I always say audience claps over ass claps. Applause on my face. It's all I want. I, I you know what? I, I think you're cribbing that from John Lennon, but otherwise I agree <laughs> with the sentiment. Yeah. Everyone's got a kink for attention. Okay, question number two, three. Mm-hmm. I've been in a different order because I moved it. Uh, actually, we've, you know what? It's funny. We've talked a lot about this. Um, and it's already 47 minutes in. So I'll, mm. I'll just, I'll get right to it, Mark. What's sure. the worst thing you've ever done? Worst thing I've ever done? Um, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. Gonna really, say? It's really uncomfortable. Oh, I should disclaim it. You don't have to say it. As <laughs> with anything, <laughs> you can't um, see it, but uh, I've got a gun to Mark's head. I've, you know, I, I've done lots of things I'm ashamed of that all came from the same place, which was just like not knowing how to talk to people and communicate properly, and then also um, not, I don't know, maybe taking for granted or something. I don't know, just being kind of cavalier about people's feelings. Uh, when I was younger. So one time I wrote, I was just getting into stand-up and I had seen a lot of stand-ups and I thought like, um, I thought one of the things you had to do as a stand-up is like be mean. Like you have to like tap into the side of yourself and like be the meanest version of yourself to like, mm-hmm. to do comedy. So I was just like freehand writing lots of jokes every day. And I freehand wrote this uh, long joke about my roommate at the time, who was this very nice woman um, but we didn't have a lot in common, you know, she was like, uh, just like a normal person. She wasn't like a, working in a creative field or anything. She's just like normal, nice woman with a job who I happened to live with. And, uh, but I wrote this long joke, making fun of her, you know, making fun of like the kinds of questions she would ask me. And basically I was like calling her basic in the, in the joke, you know, and, uh, and, and I was being very rude about it. And, um, and then I was using it as a bookmark, this page and I left it on the coffee table and she read it and then she came to my room and was like what is this and I tried to like it was hard I tried to like make up an excuse and it was thin and yeah she saw through it and I just really hurt she didn't get mad I just really hurt her feelings and then I tried to move out very quickly uh and I felt so yeah I felt so I just yeah I had to get out of there I just Did felt you move awful. Yeah, I moved somewhere else very quickly. Um, oh, wow. But, you know, it's tough because you read something about that and it was hard for me to communicate to her. Like, I have wished ever since that I would run into her again. I don't even know if I'd recognize her. It was so long ago now. But I remember her name. But um, Molly. Yeah, <laughs> it was Molly. <laughs> <laughs> she had four adorable paws. <laughs> big squishy ears but you know it's because it's tough to you, you know it's tough to communicate to someone that like oh yes I thought those things about you but I mostly thought you were a nice person yeah I was just trying to come up with a joke and I was being mean and you yeah. know I could say mean things about anyone but it's not it's, the yeah it's not the overriding thing I thought about you but she would never believe me now you know so I felt really bad about that yeah, when I was in high school, my humor was very mean. It was very like, uh, just take people like just. I mean, I still don't think it was funny, but it was mean. It was so it wasn't funny. Um, and then I went to university and I met someone who was just like so nice. Like everyone just he would walk into a room and everyone was so happy to see him, and he would leave, and everyone was like, "That guy's a great guy." And I was like, "I want people to say that about me." Right. Um. So I completely just changed. Like I was like, "You can do that. You can just be who you want to be." Right. And 
then years later I was taking a train and I ran into someone from high school that I hadn't seen. Like, I don't know. I don't keep in contact with anyone from high school. And uh, we were talking and I was just like, yeah, man, I just feel like I was like so mean. Like I just, I was, it was just weird. To, I was like, wow, you know, you have the same idea of someone, even though it's been 10 years, 20 years, you still think of that person that way because you don't know what they're, you know that people grow and change, but in your head, they're the same. So I was just like, oh yeah, I was so mean. He was like, I don't remember you as being mean. And then I remembered, I was like, oh yeah, I was mean. These jokes were to myself. I didn't have friends. <laughs> like no one was hearing them. Right. But I was mean. That's ideal. It's not nice. It's not nice. Yeah. Well, you know, and I wish I could say that I learned my lesson right away, but I did tell that joke. <laughs> I told that joke for like four months after she yep. found it and yep. confronted you with it uh yep. was it after you moved out or was it still while you were living with her after I moved out and I think but uh yeah it was like I you know because once again I was still in I was, I was like I feel terrible but isn't that the kind of and then I was yeah. like yeah isn't that the kind of tension I should here's the story of here's this thing about my roommate and then here's the story of her finding that and, yeah I was gonna say you I, probably add that in too yeah, yeah. and uh it took me a while. Like, it, yeah, I was, I was, yeah. Yeah, we're human. We have layers. I guess, I guess so. Yeah, just experimenting with being a mean comic. Do you? I don't want to say the word believe in because it's not a ghost, but like, what's your take on karma? Um, and not in a not in a like literal sense of like one bad thing happens and one good thing happens, but like for me, I don't really know what I think about it, but I do know that whenever something bad happens which is quite a lot. And I'm always like, why? Like, and I was like, did it, did I, I'm, did I do something? Is this to even, I was like, I just feel sometimes like it's punishment for something I did. Right. Yeah. You internalize that. I mean, I've, I feel a lot of guilt throughout my life. So I think like as, in as much as there's karma, I think it's just like, you know, it's like the crime and punishment thing. You might not get called out by someone else. You might not get caught doing the jokes about your old roommate, but the punishment is like beating yourself up about it eternally having a hard time forgiving yourself. So I do think like in that yeah. sense, in that sense, maybe it's true. I always say that to my friends when they have, they're like, this dude ghosted me or this guy like dated me for four months and then just completely vanished. I'm just like, yeah, but his punishment is he has to be himself. Like he's sad right. and he's him and you get to be you. And I know that doesn't sound very like, uh, like much solace right now, but he's never going to be happy. And they're just like, yeah, but I want him to hurt. <laughs> like he is yeah. hurting. Babe, he's hurting. It's Bad. tough. You know, I do feel like there's like a certain, I read this short story about this like kid who goes um, like to shoot, like hunt with his older brother, two little kids, and then accidentally shoots his brother and doesn't know what to do. So he just continues to like go hunting for the things they're supposed to hunt for and then comes home and, and then tells his parents like hours later like my brother's dead out back and everyone's like freaked out and stuff and they but the thing they're most freaked out about is that he didn't tell them right away mm -hmm. and they can't figure out why he would have done that but it's told through the point of view of this kid so you know why he didn't do that because he was like freaked out he was a kid he didn't know what to do um but uh the story becomes about like you know getting a psychologist to look at this kid and then the kid sort of registers that everyone thinks he's like an evil and he doesn't know. So he just, he's the end of the story is this kid kind of being like, I guess I'm evil, you know, and it's more artfully described than that, but yeah. is this really like, Oh God. But I do think that that's, you see people internalize the idea that they're irredeemable. They're like, Oh, like 
Um, I have all these things to feel guilty about. I guess I'm a bad person. I guess I'm just a person who's going to have to do things to feel guilty about forever, whatever. Um, so anyway, uh, this guy, so I do think, yeah, this guy who ghosted your friend is probably like, I'll never have, I don't deserve a meaningful relationship because I'm a yeah. guy who can't like tie. And then it'll become this sort of self-fulfilling awful thing. Oh yeah. It's hard, it's hard to it. like, it's hard to like believe if you start to think that you're a bad person, it's hard to believe that you could be a good person. And then, you know, I feel like there's two different worlds, people who are just like, yeah, I'm a good person, whatever. And then people who have been told or started to believe in them in their hearts that they're bad and then they don't know what to do about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like the reality is life is gray and that we're both and we have both in us. No, no, no. One or the other. <laughs> I think you missed what I said. There's two types of people. <laughs> <laughs> We've got two wolves. Um, I do. I definitely when I feel like a piece of shit, I lean into it for sure. Um, yeah, it's yeah, we we yeah, I've met a lot of people like that who you just like, oh, you're like in a spiral and you're digging in because yeah, that's my what? that's my uh, like MO is that I, I spiral until you hit the rock bottom and then you're like, I want to be better. And then you like, do better until you know, your old habits come back out. And then sometimes you're, you make a better choice. And sometimes when you don't, you internalize it and you do the whole wash, rinse, repeat. Mm. And then you give up and you're and then you're like, I'm just a piece of shit. And I'm just going to ask Mark Little what's the worst thing he's ever done so that I can feel better about myself. Right. Before yeah. I ask him a nice question like <laughs> thing five. Uh, thing five. You do you know what? Do you remember in uh, we I've always talked about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind because it's my <laughs> favorite movie. And if you remember, uh -huh. uh, there's a moment where he's lying on the Charles uh, River with Clem the character Joel and he says he's just like I could die right now I'm I'm just I'm happy hmm. what's a I could die right now I'm just happy moment you've had in comedy and in life maybe too um just absolutely destroying a crowd with my story about my stupid roommate <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's it no. for me folks <laughs> um i could die right now i'm just happy uh in comedy oh in comedy um oh my god if you can think uh, of any you can it's so it. easy for me to think about the i could die right now because i'm so unhappy <laughs> <laughs> just kill me yeah like doing crowd warm-up <laughs> at a spelling bee and rural nova scotia and being fired that night <laughs> because From the spelling I did, bee opener because i did such a bad job like a critically bad job such a bad job that i was hiding by the end they were like mark we need you to fill five and has anyone seen mark and i'm just fucking like scurrying in the shadows behind the cameras trying to hide. how many uh were you set to do and was this the first night and you had like five more they shows? told me i would probably have to do like 20 25 minutes i had to do 40 minutes right off the bat and then I kept having to come out because there were technical malfunctions. The problem was at that time, I was a year into stand-up and I had to do only clean material. So I probably had 20 minutes completely. And I was too, I, I was too like, I don't know. I didn't think yeah, about I like, oh, I could just do like improv or just chat. I didn't, you know, I didn't have the wherewithal to do any of that. So, so I, I had to do that. Why do they need a comedian opener at a spelling bee? Aren't you like not even allowed to talk anyway? Very weird. Like you're warming up to sit in tense <laughs> silence. But but the worst part about it was, so I ended up having to do like 50 minutes. Terrible, terrible. At one point I asked a kid, I was so stressed out. I just turned to one of the kids. I was like, how am I doing so far? Like, I was like, uh, 
I said, uh, do you like my set so far? And he went, not really. And it got a huge, <laughs> it got the biggest reaction. <laughs> he, like, he killed. He crushed with that line. Uh, he was really saying what they were like, all thinking. Yeah. But then I found out, like, that night I went back to this hotel where I was staying. And, um, and then I was like, oh, not only do I have to do this for the next four days through this, like, sort of CBC miniseries competition, whatever, um, it's going to be for the same crowd because it's the same parents every day. So uh. I don't need 40 minutes of material. I need 40, I need 200 minutes of material. And so I would, I just started calling my friends. Can I use your jokes? Like I started trying to think of improv exercises. And then the next morning I got a call saying I was fired and I felt good about it. <laughs> I was like, that's really? a good choice. I, it's humbling, but I can't, I can't fault your choice. You could die. You were so happy. I could die. I was so happy I was being fired from the spelling bee. Um, man, I did want to get, I'm glad because I did want to get your worst bomb story too. Um, oh, you got it. That's probably not my worst one. My my worst one is four shows of consecutive bombing in Ajax. That's definitely my worst bomb. Good for you for keep going out there. A lot of people uh, just quit after. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, maybe I some people should. Maybe you should have. <laughs> no, I now should've. you shouldn't have. But. Um, I wish I could think of a super, super happy moment. I'm sorry. Don't be. I'm sorry for you. It sounds dreadful. Your life sounds awful that you can't <laughs> happy. Well, okay. You know well, what? I'm I had a really... There's so many good... The problem is that all my favorite moments in comedy are just stupid, small things. You know, just a fun show or whatever. Yeah. Um. I did this musical with my friends called Tom Shadow and then, and it was like a scripted musical. And then we just brought it back for one night at Bad Dog, um, rest in peace. And uh, it's still we, going this, you know, this is Bad Dog prevents, presents five things. Rest in peace, Bad Dog. And um, <laughs> <laughs> we all remember you fondly. No, but rest in peace, physical space, Bad Dog Theater on Bloor. Yeah. Uh, the space that uh, doesn't have, a sandwich board out front because it doesn't need a sandwich board out front and it doesn't Folks, have we do have a physical space for uh classes you can find it all at baddogtheater.com <laughs> um i didn't know that and i'm glad to hear that but uh beautiful space and um um so we tom did shadow. we did yeah we we brought back tom shadow for one night only and we all said we were gonna do it to script for as long as we could remember the script we hadn't rehearsed it in months oh that's um, fun and then, and then we would just start going off book and, and just agree that anywhere it started to be taken, we wouldn't like cling to the script. We would just allow it to evolve. And it was really fun. It was really chaotic and fun. And in my opinion, ended up being better than the scripted show because it kind of went where it should have gone. We just followed our <laughs> impulses, but it was just a very sweet night. So not a very fun story, but. It's, that's very fun. I wish I was there. Yeah. Okay. My last question. I I probably did five, but I ha I have this question for you as you were talking. Do you feel like, so you talked about moving a lot and you, mm. and you started, you moved to Toronto in your thirties and you're terrified to enter your forties. Yeah. Do you feel like you could blow up your life again? Just like start from scratch. Maybe not from scratch as in like no more comedy, but just all the things that make your life feel secure and safe right now. Anything you're questioning of like, do I want this? Does this make this, me happy? What have I wanted? I'm entering my 40s. If I don't go for now, I never will. Do you think you could do that? I don't know. It, right now, it's hard for me to say yes to that. So I say no. 
<laughs> but uh <laughs> and that's five things <laughs> at the beginning of the pandemic uh like right before um i had already put paid first month's rent on an apartment in new york on a room in an apartment in new york with a guy that i knew from toronto comedy so i talked to him i was moving to new york i had already paid oh. for a month and my girlfriend was about to go on a two-year world tour with this band that she was playing in oh so, so cool yeah. So we were like, do we get rid of our Toronto apartment? Like, do we hold on to it? It was this very like, where are, where are, I think it was like, we want to be together, but we're both making these like very individual choices for the next two years. It's hard to completely know where our heads are going to be at, you know, a year or two down the line. Right. So I was ready to blow up my life. Um, and then the pandemic happened and and yeah, we like, it's, we're more settled than ever, you know? Right. So are you glad for that? Are you like happy that, well, I don't want to say, are you happy the pandemic happened, but did it work out for you guys? You too? Yeah. Yeah. We moved like into a much bigger place up like, you know, further outside of the city core, but like, it's like a home and, you know, it's like, we you know, for two years, we kind of lived a domestic life. And I got into the groove of that. Um, so even though now I'm like, back to grinding it out on the scene, doing shows, you know, most nights of the week, I still feels like I probably will never, I'm probably not leaving this situation. So I'm probably in it, unless we decide to blow it. Like, you know, we used to talk about blowing it up together and going to like, I don't know, some town in northern Germany or northern France or something where she's anywhere like north. It doesn't matter what country. Gotta be north, northern uh, Australia. We'll go south, but it's got to be north of south. <laughs> um, but that's probably not going to happen either. I don't know. Probably just going to be in Toronto long term. But I've, you know, this is the longest I've been in a place since I left. Yeah, since I left New Westminster. And you're not going back to BC? Mm, I doubt it. I don't know. That's where my whole family is. So we'll see. <laughs> but that's, I don't know. It's a, you know, BC's a vibe. BC's a specific. <laughs> BC's a you, vibe. you really got to want what BC has to offer and be okay with giving up all the things BC does not have to offer. What does it, I love, I, I mean, I haven't been, I went last summer for the first time and I loved it. I'm not very sport. Like I feel like everyone was really into like extreme sports. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like the hiking. I love the nature. Yeah. I I loved how every bar had kombucha in it. Oh yeah, you you know what? You're I'm made for BC. You're granola enough to enjoy BC for sure. I love yeah. BC. I it right. was like you're not gonna want to come back. And truly, every day I'm like I gotta get I gotta I love Toronto. You're, you're also a bit Whistler, you know, like Whistler's combining all the things you're saying with butt chugging. Like oh yeah, <laughs> you get a real reason, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, I feel like um everyone always makes fun of like how Toronto is like super like careery. And I'm like, yeah, but I guess that's what I like. I yeah, like, like that. Them. I like that the energy here is like towards work more so than other places in Canada, less so than LA, less so than New York, but right. more so than like Nova Scotia or Vancouver. Yeah. You gotta, that's your purpose. You gotta find your sacred work. Like, I mean you specifically, it sounds like you derive a lot from, I like being good at things, but things that I, feel per like there's certain things that I like comedy or when I work with kids or work in the mental health field but any when I work even in the in those things when it's corporate or like I have a friend who 
she loves she derives a lot of purpose from being good at her job so if if a boss was to be like wow you really went above and beyond that would make her feel good whereas like Mm -hmm. if a if a boss told me i went above and beyond i feel like i was exploited like i was like (laughs) i did something for you right that i'm not that didn't really serve me i just like made you more money or gave up my time or something because for you to say that it's like i don't want i don't want to put work first not i want to put the things first that give me pleasure or purpose like com like my comedies that's an individual that's me right i'm not trying to make any billionaire more money right and that's the difference between you and me i just want to line the pockets of our richest (laughs) citizens (laughs) i'm ready I just want to, if I could give $50 to Mackenzie Bezos. <laughs> uh, yeah. Every time, every time I go on stage, 50 to McKenz. 50 for base. That's what I'm calling it. That's why I call my show 50 for base. When you come to my space and see 50 for base, that's where your money's going. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Um, I don't have a nicer way to close this. <laughs> So you're gonna have to do some fun edit. Yeah, there you go. Oh, oh. he's on should, it. Go, Quick, we, uh, trip him up with a well, second land. Acknowledgement. I was gonna say we should bookend it with a <laughs> land acknowledgement. Um, thanks again, Mark Little, the Sonar Network, and Bad Dog Comedy Theater. Your support makes a difference, and you can donate today by going to baddogtheater.com. Five Things is produced by Victoria Kucher, and we couldn't do it without our tech, Sean Murray, and of course, I'm your host, Rosh Abdullah. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VGW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry Ooh, a book club Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.